I'm Scott. And I'm Elton. And you're listening to An Apotheosis of a Bombast. Hooray! I have to admit, actually, when I say that, I feel like I should sound like uh, Mr. Echo on Lost. And go, An Apotheosis of a Bombast. It just has that kind of name. <laughs> like it should be yeah. resonating. We need some big sand over, guys, to do some big deep talking and lots of reverb behind it. Yeah. And then knowing how my own voice sounds different on recording, it probably comes across very mousy. An apotheosis of a bombast. Yeah. But no, I'm Scott, and that's Elton, and this is an apotheosis of a bombast, the place where you can come and listen to us just talk about stuff in general. <laughs> Jibber-jabber away. That's right. So we'd like to thank you guys for uh, the feedback we got. It was, it was unexpected, but much appreciated. Thank you very much, guys. That's cool. Since the last uh, podcast, a couple things have gone on. Nothing too significant. Elton, you said you helped uh, somebody move. Yeah, I helped my brother move, and I ended up getting a uh, mountain bike out of it as well. He's uh, finally moved out of my parents' house after a year back there. He's met a new girlfriend, so he's he's moved out. I helped him, and uh, he, he ended up with a, a mountain bike in the back garden that was going. I think he's used it once. I think he paid 60 quid for it. He's used it once, and he said he was going to chuck it. Uh, so I took it off his hands. He, he had the idea of actually chaining up outside his brand new flat and seeing how long it would take for someone to actually steal it from the flat. <laughs> That's sad, but it actually is the kind of experiment that great things come from. Yeah, but you know, you've just moved into this brand new flat, and you want to find out how many robbers are around there. You know, it, it's not good. That's true, and you're, you're kind of... The people who might not have ordinarily taken it might just take it, you know, it's sitting there for three days. I'll just, you're creating an environment where, <laughs> where bad things can happen. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, I took it off his hands and I was using it tonight. Used it last week as well, so, you know, I'm really happy with it now. It's really good. That probably answers my question, but in general, would you say that that was a fair payment for it? Like, is that, you know, did you do far more work than that? It was... He's a lazy bastard, I must admit. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was good payment. I, you know, it was really good. That's good. Now, do you have situations where you put stuff out in the trash and then you get the scavengers who come by and they're like, ooh, someone's throwing out this fine electric fan and I think I'm just going to take it. I'm amazed at how many times I put stuff out the night before. People scavenge. It's, I mean, and I, I don't think they need it. The, it's not like we live in a spot where... There are people with a, a very, very high need for things. These are just, I think, rubbers. Just, yeah. <laughs> just coming by and going, I'll take that. If, if it's there, then they'll take it. Yeah. Um, when I used to live in London, it, it happens both ways. Either people pilfer out of the skips that you put out. You put some crap out there and they take a fan or they, they'll take a door or they'll take some hinges or whatever. Or they'll fill your skip up for you. <laughs> they'll they'll bring along their their, their black stuff. trash cans and you know, they they'll chuck anything out. They really will. And even kids, you you find kids jumping in them, Ugh. trying to find any trinkets in there. So yeah, we we get it both ways over here. To be honest, you know, even uh, we don't get so many uh, rag and bone men now though. We used to have like rag and bone men driving around in their flatbed trucks, oh, yeah. saying you know bring out all your old tut and they'll go sell it. Uh, at the scrapyard, but we don't usually get them now. We get a lot of that, like after a yard sale, there's like the vultures, they wait, the yard sale ends at four, and then a lot of people just 
I didn't sell it. The whole point was to clean out the house. I'm putting it out by the curb. And then yeah. people who couldn't spare to pay you 50 cents for that lamp <laughs> an hour ago now come by and take it. Yeah. I feel, you know, I feel bad for the people who, you know, they spent all day out in their yard trying to get rid of a couple of things. And Yeah. See, the closest I come to doing that is a, um, a car boot sale. And you normally have like you know, 30 to 50 people turning up with their vans or their cars loaded up all the stuff that they don't want anymore and selling it for, you know, pennies and pounds, really. Hmm. And I did that once when we moved house from London to Essex, where we live now. And the scavengers around there, they want anything electrical straight away. Yeah. They want computer games straight away. They want all the good stuff straight away. And, and what they do, they migrate from the very beginning when all the people are pulling up, they're pulling up in their cars. And first timers like me don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I, I pulled up and immediately I had four or five people around me going, have you got any electrical equipment? Have you got any speakers? Have you got any radios? Have you got anything? I was like, well, yeah, I've got all this stuff here. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, give me, give me, give me. And he was offering me like 10 pounds. And I think I sold a little bit. I kept some behind. And I, I had lots of uh, old PlayStation 1 games. And they were jumping on them. And pretty much you're left with all the stuff that you don't really want anyway. You, yeah. You're quite happy to throw away. You still have to sit there for another four hours. Why? Because there's nowhere to move. So you're stuck there. Right. And you're half thinking that there might be another wave of yeah. people coming. We've once or twice tried to have like a, a community yard sale and all, and I'll, I'll have my stuff out there. And so this cost me thirty dollars. I sold, and you know, I'm, I'll be happy to get like five, maybe two dollars for it. And you just get lowballed. It's like, <laughs> what do you mean a quarter for that? But then, yeah, it's like hagglers. Well, yeah, like, you know, seeing my kid selling his uh, Matchbox cards, you can't give him ten cents each. You want all of them for a quarter. Yeah. I, obviously, I, I'm lucky not to have to you know scrounge like that, but. Uh, yeah, but half of these people that they, they want to buy it to sell it on to make a pretty penny. Yeah. Uh, especially with like the video games that I was selling, and I know the Monday morning after that they're down like the local video store trying to flog them off for like you know four quid each. Yeah. And you know they're making money out of me, tight pikeys. <laughs> well, you got a bike, so there you go. You're set. And you didn't yeah, have to did. lower yourself to to grubbing it from anybody. You worked for it, so <laughs> you deserve it. Damn right, I do. Mm-hmm. So we have our, our regular segments we're going to try to go through today. We've got our uh, fourth-person observations and stuff from the Internet and our rankings. Hopefully this will be a little bit smoother than our first podcast. I think we're off to a good start. So did yeah. you have a couple articles for today? Right. Uh, I've got two here. Frenchman Louis Collette, or in French, it'll be Louis Collette, <laughs> I'd imagine, broke the world record for the longest speech after rambling nonstop for 124 hours. I get two questions right off the bat. A lot of times when they have these longevity things, you find out they get a break. You know, oh, 10 minutes, an hour, they get to rest or, you know. Right. Yeah, it, do- it doesn't say that here, but it was for the Guinness uh, Book of World Records. So I'd imagine that there were like every two hours, he, he probably got like a 10-minute break. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about that because that's, I mean, it, it's still an act of perseverance. But there's a difference between talking nonstop for 124 hours or talking for, you know, three hours and then getting a drink and, you know, it's, it's yeah, a different it, feat. It's not like these um, touch-a-car competitions where you have to hold your hand on the car yeah. and the last person touching the car wins the car. Yeah, they don't say, it's all right, everybody like, take a break, shake it out, uh, go to the bathroom. Well, yeah, they don't do that. But they, they must have pee, pee breaks in them games, though, mustn't they? 
Or do uh, they not? I think that's part of the quality of the game is that you know some people <laughs> just wet themselves to try to win the car. Oh. And you get to that point where you've already done so much. Like the Big Brother shows in the U.S., they have a lot of those kind of contests where you got to hang from this rope to be head of household. Or Yeah. And I don't think to get a break in that. Yeah, see, the guys that are good at the touching the car competitions, they must go along with like their colostomy bags, ready to fill them up as well. Probably. Well, um, this guy who set this uh, world record, he um, he beat the previous world record, which was 120 hours, but he had the record in 2004, and he spoke for 48 hours straight. Does it say what his topic was, like what he talked about? Yeah, he was uh, speaking about Dali, uh, a painter he had admired, and... Uh, Catalinian, oh, no, sorry, uh, a culture, a uh, French culture. I wonder, again, if there's some sort of criteria, like you can't repeat a phrase more than twice in an hour. Because, I mean, if it's, if it's just a matter of, of making noise for 124 <laughs> hours, I'm, you would think that some people could do that. What is that? It's about five days. I'm not being funny, but if you go down to the local asylum, you, you've probably got people there that are probably sat there for five years saying the same word again, rocking backwards and forwards, going, they've beaten that that record straight. And they probably went to the toilet in their pants as well. Right. <laughs> there must be some parameters, especially for Guinness. But that seems like the kind of record, though, that you would, you know, if you, you, people go through and it's, I'm going to set a world record, well, I'm not going to do this one. I'm not going <laughs> to, not going to grow my fingernails 19 inches long. That one I can do. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen them people that grow uh, there? Ooh, that's disgusting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, my second story. Uh, pilot was texting before fatal chopper crash. This is in uh, New Zealand. Uh, a pilot was killed after crashing into Lake Wananka, and that is the right name, Wananka, <laughs> was sending text messages as he flew the helicopter on its final journey. Silly sod. Well, no, I don't know. Like, I know there's a big deal about uh, texting and being on a cell phone when you're in a car, but my father is a pilot, and uh, when he, he flies his plane, take off, there's a lot going on, landing, there's mm -hmm. a lot going on, but largely, from point A to point B in the air, the plane almost self-corrects, you know, it wants to stay in the, in the air, is what he always says, you know, it's, yeah. especially now with the autopilot features, it's, you don't have to have a fancy plane for it to essentially... You know, it senses it's dipping down. You turn the dial a little bit, and it it goes back up. It's not how you would picture flying an airplane. It's, it's yeah. far more automated. Um, and I, I mean, I've seen my father. My father will read a book. You know, while he's up there. I mean, it's he's got the headphones on. He's got the, the air traffic control alerting him if anyone's on radar. He's got radar on his plane. There's, yeah. uh, you know, he certainly wouldn't do that in a at a busy point of the flight. But when he's He's cruising along, and there's nobody for miles around. And I think this guy was flying quite low to the ground, though. He was, you know, low-level flying at the time that you know he hit the mountain. A helicopter could be a completely different animal to try to control, too. It's yeah, I'll, I'm gonna guess it's nothing like an aeroplane, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to actually fly it. You know, I know you're using your arms and legs in an aeroplane as well, but I think they have the, uh, the text communicators in most aircraft now, anyway, don't they? Yeah, and, and I, just having the different video games where you try to fly, I've, the helicopter ones are always harder <laughs> with the stick yeah. and the up down. I mean, it's, it's a whole different set of uh, three-dimensional visualization you have to do, I guess. 
obviously distraction is what they're they're highlighting. But you know, they also say you're not supposed to use a phone on the airplane because it interferes with the equipment. I wonder if it was that kind of thing too that in in using his cell phone to, or computer to text if it messed stuff up. Yeah, it could be. I, I've heard that they bypass that. Though. They actually want people to use their mobile phones in like a normal cattle class in aeroplanes. They're quite happy to let people use their phones. I think in your part of the world, yes. Here, they're still not allowed to. But I have heard that, that some airlines are starting to let you do that. Yeah. Because I think it was always kind of disputed whether it was a big deal. And I guess after um, you know, the terrorist attacks, so many of those families were on the phone. You know, yeah. Passengers were calling. And I think that raised a couple of questions, too. Yeah, of course it did, yeah. It was all highlighted at that certain point. But would you actually want to sit on a long-haul flight next to someone... Oh, no. Jabbering on their phone. No, not at all. It's hard enough that. when somebody has a computer, especially if it's an oversized computer. They got it set up. It's over the tray, and you you don't want to look over their shoulder. But they're watching a movie. You're sitting right next to it. You, You'd have it, to do that, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah, but it's hard. I, I always try to tilt my head a little bit and occupy myself with something else. Mm. It's tough. That's all I got for this week. Some good ones. I'll have to see if I can find some to contribute as well. What I do have is from the internet, uh, sort of related. There's a couple of websites that are all about urban legends or rumors. You've probably got the various email forwards where Bill Gates has given away $500. Be the first one to respond to this email. And doomsday virus threats like don't click on, on this link. And terrorists have taken over Facebook. All that bizarre stuff. I, I get a yeah, bunch I've of it. I've seen lots of that, yeah. And, and I'm proud to say I never forward it. The, the first thing I always do is I'll take a key phrase of it if I even think it might be true cut and paste it into Google, and almost right away you get a couple of sites that talk about, this is from 1997, and uh, it's been in these other various forums, and it's a hoax. That's usually, right. I'll send that back to the original person and just say, sorry, but you got scammed. But I never yeah. really forward those on. But there's a couple of sites that do that, and a whole bunch of other things. One is called trutherfiction.com, and another is snopes.com, S-N-O-P-E-S. And both are categorized by topic and they take a lot of the internet urban legends these days but they also have some of the, the much older ones taking a quick look at truthorfiction.com I'll read you just a couple of, of some of the headlines here we'll go to truth or fiction about food and drink so um, are we talking about beer or uh, this could be anything well, this, alcohol let's see. There was an urban legend or a news story of some sort about cockroach eggs in taco meat. So uh, the summary of the e-rumor is that there are several different versions of stories about people who accidentally got infested with roach eggs in their mouths or sal salivary glands. This might not be the best one to start with. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, they have an example of how it would look in an email. So what the subject line usually is, licking envelopes yep. or truth about Taco Bell or something like that. And they show you this story, you know, a woman working in a post office in California. She left the envelopes instead of using a sponge, blah, blah, blah. And in the end, she had to go to the doctor. And it always yeah. ends with a little thing like, this is a true story. It was on CNN. And they try to give you some, something that makes it ring true. This was the November 19th issue of the New York Times. And so what these websites do is... They show you the fact that it obviously has taken various forms, and as opposed to just saying, no, it's not true, usually they give you documentation of, of why it's not true. This is how it originated. Actually, I'm probably not giving you the best example. There's a, there's a great one about 
the September 11th airlines hitting the World Trade Center. And there's a photograph that is supposedly a picture taken from the World Trade Center as the American Airlines plane was coming right into the building. And so, yes, I've seen that. Yeah. So what they have on Truth or Fiction is you go and they show you, okay, so this is a hoax. And how do we know it's a hoax? Because here is that exact same picture from the American Airlines flight catalog dated 1999. And here yeah. is this. And, and Oh, and by the way, that type of plane was a 767. And, and it goes all through and it really just refutes the whole thing. And it kind of leaves no doubt. Sometimes things are true. And they'll sit there and they'll tell you, you know, how it is true. And, and then they have a couple where it's got some elements of truth and some elements where it's not. They're good to kind of point people to after there's, uh, you know, some little scam like we talk about. Or <laughs> you'll be at a dinner party or something, you'll hear someone tell a story and you're like, that's not true at all. And then later on you, you pass along the link so that they can see how it's not. But then you start poking around. Another thing on Snopes.com, they have a whole section about Coca-Cola. I guess there's a lot of different stories about Coke, you know, that it can be used for, uh, if you put a penny in Coke, it'll dissolve, all that stuff. Yeah, I think everyone's heard that before, haven't they? Yeah. Didn't they do that on uh, Mythbusters as well? Yes. So, and yeah. this site actually it predates Mythbusters, but it, it's in that same spirit. Yeah. Read you just a couple of the headlines from, Co- from the Coca-Cola section. Uh, the new Coke fiasco was actually a clever marketing ploy. That's false. Coca-Cola was carbonated by accident. That's false. Yeah. Coca-Cola was once considered anti-Semitic for refusing to do business in Israel. That was true. The modern image of Santa Claus was created by Coca-Cola. Actually, I had just heard that the other day, this past holiday season. They say mm-hmm. it's false. Um, a tooth left in the glass of Coke will dissolve overnight. And the whole idea. So there's... The ones you've heard of, ones you've never heard of, and it's it's interesting. Yeah. So it's a neat thing too because it's kind of in the spirit of, of what we do and what a lot of the people who do blogs do. It actually was started in the late 90s, I believe, 1995. Yeah. And it, even prior to that, it had originated. Do you remember the Usenet message boards? They were called news groups. And so it had started in that form, and this, mm-hmm. this guy and his wife then merged it into this website, Snopes. So that would be a, a tidbit from the net that if you haven't really seen it, it's definitely worth poking around. And generally, they're pretty convincing. I'm sure there's topics where, where people look at it and they say it's true or they say it's false. And the reader goes, no, no, I know. <laughs> I know a guy who did that or I saw that somewhere else. But Yeah, everyone knows a friend of a friend or that knows a story. Yeah. It's like the, um, the chicken nuggets over here. Apparently, someone bit into a chicken nugget and it had an ulcer in it. The, the woman, woman or, or man ended up eating it and pus pouring down their face. You know, lovely stuff like that. Yeah. You know. But I think everyone knows them types of stories, don't they? Yeah, but I, it's amazing how many people are. They believe them. You know, no, mm-hmm. no matter what you show them, they just they swear by it. Or how many times that they've been caught falling for something, then the next one comes along and. I mean, that's, I guess, how scam artists make their living, just yeah. <laughs> preying on the, the blissfully ignorant. But uh, I but do that, have a that, couple for you here from Titanic, if you want to make that our ratings for today. Yeah, go on. Let's, right. let's go for this one. All right, so I have nine supposed statements about the Titanic. Okay. Why don't you just give like a, I think it's true, I don't think it's true, or you can say kind of a, 
you know, 60%, 80%, whatever you, however you like to approach it. But we'll get started. The first one is multi-millionaire passenger John Jacob Astor made an archly humorous quip when the Titanic struck an iceberg, which would be some little comment like, I asked for ice, but this is ridiculous. Yeah, that's got to be true. There's, there's got to be some pompous old git standing on, on top of the deck at that time, I'd imagine. Although I didn't actually see them on the film. They weren't actually on, filmed on James Cameron's film. <laughs> you didn't see that individual making the smart out? No, part. no, no. But um, I wouldn't put it past them, to be honest. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. You know, that's what this Snopes, ship's unsinkable. Snopes' opinion here is it's false, and they go in in quite detail about the man and why people might attribute the comment to himself. However, they say that bottom line is someone on the Titanic may have made that joke, but it absolutely was not John Jacob Astor. Yeah. Let's see. Statement number two is that Catholic shipyard workers believe the Titanic was doomed because her whole numbers read no Pope when viewed backwards. Specifically, the numbers on the hull were 390904, and supposedly one of the shipbuilders was kind of grooming himself in the mirror or something and caught a glimpse of the boat, and Blimey. that reads as no Pope and freaked out and from that point on refused to work you know, due to the no Pope message. So, what do you think about I'm that? Gonna, I'm going to say that one's false. That's a total myth. Absolute total myth. I, no, I, I, I can't relate to it at all. I really can't. All right, for this legend to be true, both of its elements would have to be true, that the whole number was indeed 390904, and that people were concerned about the, what they saw. Yeah. And the bottom line is that 390904 was not even the number of the Titanic. It was 131428. You know, it, right, again, it doesn't really even matter whether people would really fall for it or not uh, emotionally, the numbers don't fit. So yeah. it's a rumor started, not even true. Uh, number three, a shipyard worker was accidentally trapped and entombed in the Titanic's hull. Oh, these are a lot of stories about people building bridges and people getting entombed in the bridges and football stadiums and stuff like that as well. I'd imagine there's a fair, fair few accidents building this. Mm -hmm. Entombed within the hull. No, I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to say no to that. You're right. There were 100 men who died during various types of accidents, like when they built the Hoover Dam. But only two men died when the Titanic was built, and both of their deaths were accounted for and had nothing to do with being in the hull. But there was, in 1857, a giant boat called the Leviathan. And when it finally was retired and they took it apart for scrap metal, they did find the skeleton of a worker inside that boat's hull. And between the two plates of the double hull in 1887. Nice. But not the Titanic. All right, number four. This one. Harvard University requires all of its students to pass a swimming test because one of the wealthy benefactors of the university had a child who drowned on the Titanic. Um... I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say yes to that. Obviously, people are gonna be, you know, distressed that people have drowned, but you know, getting all of Harvard students to pass a swimming test, though. You know, what constitutes passing the, the actual swimming test? You know, so you can swim back to the the edge of the swimming pool. I, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah to that. 
uh, it comes across as false. Oh, rubbish. Uh, largely because that same claim is made about many different schools. Many colleges in the United States are required to have students pass swimming tests, although most of them have either dropped the requirement or no longer enforce it. Right. Uh, the legend concerns that it was not imposed for health or safety reasons, but because a loved one had drowned. There was a library built on Harvard's campus in the name of someone whose father had died on the Titanic. Yeah. But there is no connection of having to pass the swimming test. It's just kind of a blending of, of wishful thinking and, I guess, common sense. Yeah, but I was made to do swimming lessons when I was at school. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily because <laughs> someone at your school had a great-grandfather who died on the Titanic. It should be. I'm not being funny. It should be. Someone, someone from my great-granddad's friend must have died on there somewhere. Yeah. Do a lot of people know how to swim where you live, or is that kind of uncommon? Um, no, it's just all the schools do it around here, although it's getting less and less. It used to be uh, every year, go swimming, it's all been cut back now. Yeah. It's all like the, the first year or the first and second year go swimming, and once you're over that, then that's it. No more swimming over here now. Where we live now, our elementary school, primary school, has a swimming pool, and the kids do get swimming lessons as part of their physical education. Yeah. But it's only for a couple of years, and it's the only place we've lived that does that. Everywhere else, it's kind of been up to the families. You just make mm-hmm. sure your kids know how to swim. All right, a few more to go here. Uh, the Titanic was the first ship to ever send SOS as a distress call. No chance. No chance. No, it's, it's been tons before that. Uh, actually... Oh, Robbie, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> it is tr- it's false, but not by as much as you would think. I mean, you really? think the Titanic was 1912. Yep. And the earliest evidence before that they point to is 1910. Oh, wow. Or it was proposed in 1908, but it was not nearly as uh, established as it, you might think. And they give, and Snopes, in its typical form, gives examples of, well, the New York Times of 1908 says this. and Yeah. Know, the, Okay, here's something from the movie. A man snuck his way onto a Titanic lifeboat by donning a woman's dress. I wouldn't put it past him. I, I don't know if it's true, but I wouldn't put it past him. You know, there's going to be a lot of panicked people on there, aren't there? And, uh, I don't know. I'm not imagining, have you ever seen Little Britain over where you are? It's shown, you know, two guys basically dress up as women. I'm not going to say that, you know, they're going to look like them trying to get onto a boat, you know, with moustaches and stuff like that, but I wouldn't put it past some desperate people to actually dress up as women. But Snopes actually goes into considerable detail about the man who's typically accused of that and how that's not true in his case, and they talk about how actually there were lifeboats that had room in him. So it wasn't like a man would have had to have snuck on that way. Mm, but, but wasn't it reported like the, the earlier lifeboats had room on them? I'm uh, pretty sure. That could be... They talk about uh, lifeboat number seven. I think boat number seven was eventually lost, launched with fewer than 30 occupants. So no man willing to take seat would have had to have disguised himself as a woman to sneak on board. Actually, I'm giving a quick read here, so I can't really say for sure. But it's the position of Snopes that it's not true. I'd dress up as a woman. Just to get on one of them boats? But it sounds like you could have got on anyway. As long as you weren't taking the seat of a woman or a child. And there were yeah. seats available. Two more to go. This one, 
the Titanic never actually advertised itself as being unsinkable. That word was never actually used in the marketing. Uh, That's going to be a definite yes or no. I'm going to say, oh, wow, I've got to get this right, haven't I? Um, I reckon, yeah, it was never used or never advertised as unsinkable. I think it was uh, printed in newspapers as, as the unsinkable ship. But I don't think it was advertised as unsinkable. Well, Snopes' position is that although White Star, the owner of the ship, claims they never actually used the word, they did in their promotional flyers for it say that the boat was designed to be unsinkable. Uh, I'm doing rubbish on this. Well, it really doesn't help that they're all false. <laughs> You're looking for some <laughs> of them to be true. We may look at it and find that it's sort of true. But usually Snopes does say... Sort of true, completely yeah. true, or false. And in this case, they're saying false to all of them. So the last one. The sister ship of the Titanic and the Olympic was intended to be named the Gigantic. So that would have been the third boat of the Yeah. One. Since all the other ones have turned out to be false anyway, oh, see now, do I go for the false option or do I go for the true option? Um, hang on, I've got a coin here somewhere. Um... Gigantic, gigantic. I'm going to say no. It's true. Oh, rubbish! It would have been the gigantic. <laughs> that is rubbish. Really? Yeah. That's when, again, it goes into considerable detail of the documentation which they used. And now, I was guess it, the boat was never actually built or never completed, but that was the intended name for it. Wasn't there a myth about um, them swapping uh, the Titanic and the Olympic as, around as well? Yeah, um, it, it does sound familiar, but I don't see that in here. It might be actually on uh, Truth or Fiction. Yeah, I, I think they used the Olympic in first... I'm going to sound like a complete donut now, but First World War, I think, as a um, a Red Cross boat, I'm pretty sure. And it was actually the Olympic that, that sunk against the iceberg. Uh Let's see, the Olympics' maiden voyage took place in June 1911, the Titanic's in April 1912, and then before the Titanic disaster, mm -hmm. public interest in these massive ocean liners abated, and the third ship of the planned triumvirate, the Britannic, was finally launched. Like her sister ship, the Titanic, she wasn't around long, though World War I broke out, and the Britannic, before she ever went into passenger service, she was used by the Royal Navy and used as a hospital ship. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, a different ship, a yeah. Third or fourth, depending on how we're talking. Oh, that, the Britannic, is the one that was supposed to be called the Gigantic. Right, I see. <laughs> Not the most uh, significant set of facts, but interesting. And like I said, this, this website, they have a bunch of things about Disney, movies, internet stuff, medicine, September 11th, uh, political figures, all kinds yep. of things. And truth or fiction is another one. So we'll have links to those in our show notes. Yeah. It's interesting to see how stuff is worded and how people can take it out of context and you know people can be tricked so easily, though. Yeah, and it's definitely easy to present information that should be refuting it by selectively leaving things out or spinning it a certain way or yeah. emphasizing different parts. You end up you know, selling something that was never even true. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. All right, so do you have a moral for today's podcast, Elton? Uh, learn more about Titanic. I would say so. And definitely don't yeah. believe everything you hear. <laughs> Listen to your teachers in class 
and learn more. Yeah. I'm, I can't skeptic. believe how rubbish I'll... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm holding my head in shame. I feel a little deflated now, actually. <laughs> well, it is a, an event that happened almost 100 years ago. We'll have to try again with something more current, something that you might have first-hand experience with, maybe McDonald's or Coke or something like that. And this, this year, just going, you've only heard rumors. You've never actually been pressed to really investigate. No, that's right, yeah. So there, it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel one stupid. Right. It's not my stupid <laughs> else's fault. I read it on the internet. <laughs> so I guess on that note, we could kind of wrap up episode two of the apotheosis of a bombast. Our music, our intro music today, and our exit music, again, was compliments of Peter John Ross at sunnyboo.com. You can email us at bombastpodcast at gmail.com. Hopefully by the time you hear this, we'll be on iTunes, so look for us there. You can follow me on Twitter at SHC1970. And you can follow me on uh, Elton McManus. And for all the people that have emailed in, it's not anus, it's McManus. Even though it does spell anus. I yes. love that kind of feedback. That's, that's that kind of <laughs> constructive criticism that really makes a difference. Change yes. your name. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I got that under control. So that's it. It's been fun, and uh, we'll be back in a couple days with another episode for you. Cheers, dude. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. See you later. Ta-da. Bye.